Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech Edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. It was a great past week in basketball for Texas Tech as they beat Sam Houston State by over 30 points and beat North Alabama by 29. However, there's also some controversy going on. And in the way of Drew Steffi stepping away from the program, there's not much known right now, but we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about why when Cambridge went down for the season, I said the expectations of a tournament appearance may change. And why I may have been premature on that one. And we'll go ahead and talk about the top 10 moments for Tex Tech Sports in the year of 2023. So we'll start out with basketball and we'll go game by game here. So we'll start out with the Sam Houston State game. This one I was actually able to be at, and this, I think still more so than North, Al- North Alabama, which was a very complete performance by Tech 2, this has been the most complete performance of Tech this season, barring maybe only the Michigan game. This game did not seem close, and one thing that is standing out to me right now, you have a 36-point win. When McCaslin came in, and this has kind of been reoccurring all season, but when McCaslin came in, The thought was, he's a slow coach, he's going to be very defensive, you're not going to score a lot, you're going to win games 56-54. To give up 60 and still win by 36, I I don't think that any of us thought that was possible when McCaslin came in. I think that if you were told that we would give up 60 to a team like Sam Houston State, you may say, right before McCaslin came in, Okay, we may win by double digits. We may win by 10 or 12. But Pop Isaacs, and he did it again against North Alabama, but in this game, he really got going. 10 of 19 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3, 28 total points. But the story for me, Kerwin Walton getting another start and just watching that game, he was athletic defensively. Uh, He had one bad error in the first half, Uh, but... 7 of 12, 4 of 8 from 3. I mean, I do not know where this guy came from. I understand. We had hopes coming in for him last season. None of it, none of our expectations for Kerwin Walton panned out. And he has been one of your most consistent performers since the Cambridge injury. Even for a game or two before that, he's been consistent. Joe Toussaint, man, I, I talked about him. I said I thought that he may be an overpay. I thought he may just be, like, I I didn't want to say that was a crazy overpay for what we went and got him. I I thought, okay, he's the last piece that we think we need to be able to make a tournament run, so we're going to go out and get him. He has proven his worth. I mean, he is a ball distributor. He had five assists again today, 13 points. Warren Washington, he had a huge dunk in this one. He got nine points, which if Warren Washington can get you between six and ten points a game, you're going to take that every time. The struggle with him early this year and last season was he was more of a defensive presence, not so much an offensive presence. And then Darian Williams, again, for the starting lineup, was just very composed for you. Uh, very good role players, three of six from the field, nine total points. Chance McMillan, obviously. This is uh, actually a weird point. This is the first game that I can remember that Chance McMillan, at least since the Bahamas, wasn't in your top five minute get- getters. He only got 25 minutes. 
he was effective. He was three for five from three, didn't take any twos, went to the line once, hit them both. Uh, Robert Jennings got 12 minutes, so we saw Robert Jennings getting double-digit minutes. And this was a little bit interesting to me. So, Lamar Washington, 12 minutes again in this game. You have a lot of guard depth. You may not see a ton of him in conference play. But Robert Jennings, there was um, one play where he was playing pretty decent. He made a play before that. He had six points in the game, three for four from the field. And now all his buckets come from about two feet from the basket. But he had a nice putback. And then it comes down on the other end. He gets an offensive foul called on him. You go back um, immediately after that. As soon as that offensive foul is called on, on him, you see Warren Washington get up. You're like, okay, Robert Jennings is out. And then Warren Washington comes in, gets that technical foul, which I'll be honest, that block that he had, I, it, you don't want him doing it in the Big 12 play. You don't want him getting text in the Big 12 play. But in a 36-point win over Sam Houston State, I'm not going to be mad about him, him getting a technical foul after uh, having some words for the guy he just blocked. But as soon as that's out, uh, I was expecting Robert Jennings to come back in because you see a tech on Warren Washington, you're like, okay, he's coming out. It was actually EY that came in. He only got three minutes in the game. I think it's pretty clear, which it, it surprised me to see EY come in in that situation. But still, when you look at him only getting three minutes and Jennings getting 12, it's pretty clear that Robert Jennings has cemented himself in front of EY going into conference play. Jack Francis actually got a couple minutes, got to the free throw stripe, made a, made a couple free throws. But one thing I want to talk about here, Kyron Lindsay. So this is the first game I've been at this season. Kyron Lindsay is a talented player, still raw, and there's some rumors that he got into the doghouse. And now I'm going to say this. I have no clue what this was about. But there was one point where a staff member on the edge of the bench kind of pointed at Lindsey and pointed at him to go to the tunnel, and they went into the tunnel together. They didn't go to the locker room. It wasn't that long. And then they go right back out um, like 15, 20 seconds later. So no clue if there's any truth to Kyron Lindsey being the doghouse, but I can say he got no minutes in this game. But just as a whole in this game, it was just a dominant performance. You shoot over 50% from the field, over 45% from three. You're making 70% of your free throws, which you'd like to get up a bit, but 70% isn't terrible. You were outdone on the offensive boards, but that's because they missed <laughs> they missed a lot of shots, which you forced. Um, so, And I think that going into the Big 12 play, you're going to get outdone on the offensive boards a bit, but... The fact of this game where you got 15 turnovers, you only turned it over seven times, you're plus eight in that category, that makes out up for getting out done on the boards by three boards every single time. Really clean game from Texas Tech. I, I think my most impressive thing was Kerwin Walton. No turnovers again. Got a steal, was an effective player, and he has really stepped up. This team needed somebody to step up after Cambridge went down, and boy, has he done exactly that. Now, just taking a look at this North Alabama game, quite honestly, I am so glad that this game has happened because this is the last game that is kind of painful to watch. I mean, 
I don't want to be one of those guys that says these games are meaningless. They're not meaningless. You had to go undefeated. I said this after Butler. You cannot lose again before the Big 12 play starts. You got to go into the Big 12 9-2. And, and they did just that. And they have looked really good these last two games. But, man. Losing that great game to Butler. What? In early December. Very early December. And then you're sitting there. Your first Big 12 play game is January 6th. And you look at the schedule and like, okay, we have some decent teams, maybe Oral Roberts, and you see what they do. Okay, it's not great. At least we have Vanderbilt. Then you realize that they're a quad four team. And, man, it, this non-conference schedule was much better than last year's. And you won games much more convincingly. But, boy, I, I really hope next season the non-conference gets a lot better. But North Alabama, um, North Alabama's, they came into this game 6-7. and seven. They hadn't done anything too impressive. They got blown out by Mississippi State by 27 very early in the year. But they did give Kansas State a fit, only losing to them in Manhattan by one. You come in, you win this game 85-57. No injuries. You got a lot of guys' minutes. Pop Isaacs, again, with a really good game. 6-12 of 12 from the field, 3-5 of five from three. 21 points. He has found his stroke again, which I, I'm going to be honest. Pop Isaacs was almost a liability for you shooting earlier in the season, and, and you knew that it would come around for him. It has, and it's come around at the perfect timing right before you go into Big 12 play. Kervin Walton, another nine points. Uh, he only took three threes in this game, but went one for three. Joe Toussaint, eight points in 30 minutes. Uh, another good day with four assists. Darian Williams, Got 26 minutes out there, 7 points. Chance McMillan, I said that last game was the first time that I can remember this season, that he wasn't in your top 5-minute getters. Well, today he had your second most minutes, and he went off with 16 points, 3 of 7 from 3. He actually penetrated the perimeter, which he didn't do against Sam Houston State. He went 3 for 3 when he went inside that 3-point arc, which is something that we obviously didn't see him do at all against Sam. And just a couple of notes from guys on the bench. Um, Robert Jennings with 13 minutes. Uh, he's, again, has surpassed EY. He can be a 10-minute-a-game guy for you if if we need depth down low. Lamar Washington with 14 points. Robert Jennings got six points. Uh, Derry, or Demarion Williams finally saw the court again for four minutes. Uh, Jack Francis got another minute out there bringing his total to, I believe, three on the season, so happy for him. And then Kyron Lindsey got three minutes, got a couple buckets. Man, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Kyron. Um, we don't know what's going on with him. The rumors of the doghouse thing could all be made up. They, they could all be a lie. You, you never know. There is nothing that's certain. But... Especially with Cambridge injured. God, I really hope whatever is keeping him off the floor, whatever is going on with him, I hope that he figures it out. If he's just not ready, he's just not ready, and that's fine. But he played a lot of minutes for Georgia last year, early in the season. And, and it does kind of worry me that he got minutes for Georgia, transferred midseason, and now you're having this problem where he can't get himself on the court. And we don't know what the reason is, but he can't get himself on the court right now. That is very concerning. However, this team as a whole, um, I said after Cambridge injury, 
the tournament seemed like a stretch. Right now, Ken Palm and T-Rank both have you in the top 40. T-Rank currently has you projected as a 9 seed. They have you projected going 9-9 and in Big 12 play. This game against Texas should be a loss on Saturday. It should be a loss. But Texas has not been anything special. And we're going to go ahead and do a full Big 12 basketball preview um, after the final non-conference game wraps up tomorrow night between Oklahoma State and Chicago State. So that will be coming out Thursday. But going into Austin, I think this is a very winnable game for Texas. Or Texas Tech, I'm sorry. And now, my one concern, my one concern with this game against Texas, Disu and Shedrick. So Disu, he got 18 minutes in their game against UTA, put up 9 points. He's not quite starting for them. But we'll have to see how much they play him. Do they start him? Because if they go with Disu and Shedrick on the court at the same time, I could see that being a really bad matchup for Texas Tech without Warren Washington out there. And you're going to have to make a decision. McCaslin's going to have to make a decision. Are we going to match them with Washington and Robert Jennings? Or are we going to maybe give up something defensively uh, give up that matchup, only have Warren Washington, and try to use our guards' mobility on the floor on the other end to just outscore them. And that's going to be a decision that we're going to see. See, will Rodney Terry force Grant McCaslin to make that decision? Or is he just going to play one at a time for most of the game? Because, I mean, Disu, how many minutes can he get? If he can go get 25 minutes, 30 minutes, you could see some problems for Tex Tech, and McCaslin will have to make a decision. If he's only seen 15, 20 minutes, I think that is a much better scenario for Texas Tech. And as great as these last two games or last two games have been for Texas Tech in basketball, we may have some drama brewing because Drew Steffi, uh, he has left the team due to personal reasons um, or family reasons. This is kind of something that we saw coming uh, before. Or, you know, he wasn't on the bench for a few games. Um, he was watching it somewhere else. It was just a weird scenario. And now rumors are starting to circulate. And now, one thing about any rumors, I know that a lot of it came from, like, a Red Raider sports thread. I had to go read through that thread because I think I heard, like, the main talking points of it. I went through and reread that thread. There is a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of leaps. Um, so, not going to spread any of the rumors. I'm just going to say there were a lot of leaps to get from step to step to step for people to try to put everything together. And there's a very good chance that's not completely true. However, if it is completely true, if what the going rumor is true, um, I will say a good New Year's resolution for Tex Tech never, ever, ever again play a basketball game outside of the contiguous 48 states. Because if something bad has happened on these exotic trips two years in a row, I don't care if we were playing good teams. We can't be doing this anymore. I was talking about how much I hate the non-con. Uh, if we're going to go somewhere else and something bad's going to happen, um, I'll take playing the South Alabama, the North Alabama, the Kansas City School for the Deaf, Poor, and Blind any day of the week over these trips if something did happen there again. And again, we don't know what's going on.
All right. Um, so, although we'll do a more in-depth preview on Saturday night's game on Wednesday night and to be released Thursday, did want to go ahead and take my guess on what the starting lineup and minute distribution is going to be. And now the starting lineup, pretty much said and sewn. You have Toussaint, you have Pop, you have Kerwin Walton, Demarion Williams, and Warren Washington. Now, the minutes thing, and we know Chance McMillan's going to be your sixth man. So just starting with the guards, I think this is going to be a game that you're going to need Tucson a lot. I think that he gets 35 minutes in this one. I'm going to go with 33 minutes for Pop. Going to go with 25 minutes for Kerwin Walton. I think he's going to be your least used one. You may need to go a little bit bigger at some points. Darian Williams, I think just because of where he is in that four slot, he's going to get 30 minutes. And then Warren Washington, I think it's going to look about like 28 minutes overall. About 28 minutes for Warren Washington because I do think that they're going to attack him. He may get in some foul trouble. And I will say, I think it was the under four timeout that I was watching in Sam Houston State. And I missed the first seven minutes because I was driving from the Austin area. But I looked up and saw, oh, wow, uh, it's the under four timeout. And he doesn't have a foul yet. Then, of course, he gets teed up right after that, which wasn't the smartest thing he's ever done. But for him to go the first 16 minutes without a foul was pretty impressive. Off the bench, I like Chase McMillan to get 28 points. He's a good shooter. He's been he's been getting top five minutes every every game except Sam Houston State. Think it happens again. I'm actually going to go with Robert Jennings to get ten minutes in this one. I think he's going to get double digit minutes. I think there's going to be some spurts where maybe Shedrick and Disu are both on the floor at the same time, and they're going to need him. They're going to need Robert Jennings in there to eat up some minutes. And Lamar Washington, I got him with nine. Those were the last nine minutes. And as much as I would like to see Chiron, I don't think that he's going to go from not playing against Sam Houston State, getting three minutes against Northern Alabama, to seeing the court in Austin in really any circumstances. Could it happen? Possibly. I don't see this one happening, though. And I I do want to say I don't think Chiron has anything to do with Steffi leaving. Just, Just my guess. I... I'm pretty sure Chiron's been in the doghouse, if he is in the doghouse, that he's probably been in it since the start of the season. And just touching back on basketball, getting to 9-2, and two, that was so huge. You avoid a terrible loss at, at any point in the season. You're not going to have any quad four losses. You, you, prob- you may have a quad three loss in conference play. That's still a possibility, but... It, Man, this was just such a boost for Texas Tech to get to nine and two, and now I think nine and nine, you're a lock for the tournament. If you can go nine and nine in the Big Twelve, which is what T Rank is projecting you as, it actually has you favored in ten games, but they're projecting nine wins. If you can go nine and nine, you are probably a lock for the tournament. If you go eight and ten, I think you still have a really good chance to get into this tournament. With how this schedule works out, yes, you get Oklahoma State twice. That's going to drag your net rating down. But you also have a double round robin with the Texas schools. Baylor's really good. Texas is pretty good. Um, Houston's really good. TCU's a pretty decent team right now. Um, So with this schedule, I still think even with UCF being added to this, even with Oklahoma State in a down year, I think that 8-10 and 10 would likely get you back into the tournament. And one last thing, 
Uh, before we go, we're going to do the top 10 moments of Tex Tech this season. I, I get it. It's been a little bit underwhelming for Tech this season. It has. Football, you expect a better than 6-6 six and six than a bowl game win. You expect you, you. God knows nobody expected what what happened with this basketball team to happen uh, last season. And baseball, I think being a bubble team was still a disappointment, but there were still some great moments. So, and I'm not counting. You can also count these Ludwig Ludwig Aberg, uh, his Ryder Cup performance against Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Mahomes winning a Super Bowl MVP. I'm just doing players who were at Texas Tech at the time. And those moments from Texas Tech. So, number 10, the comeback win in basketball over Iowa State. I think you can say, why isn't this one higher? You came back from behind at home by over 20 points. And this was a game I was at and was thinking, man, I can't believe I made time to come and make it to this game. And then you come back. Devion Harmon takes over. I remember Kevin O'Banner missing a bunny. And just thinking, oh man, that may be the one. We can't have any mistakes here. It was in the last two minutes. But you end up, Harmon makes a couple free throws. He does the same thing in overtime. End up escaping. The reason this isn't higher is the very next game, he got massacred by Baylor. Number nine, God be Micah Hudson's commitment. And this is one we saw coming. But for this football program to get a five-star and to get that commitment after you start 0-2, Boy, that was that was a huge thing for Texas Tech football going forward, and it's going to open the door to hopefully get some more five stars in the future. Number eight, and these kind of go together, number seven number eight, Gavin Cash's Friday night walk-off over Kansas, a ball that was hit about 700 feet. Um, this came right after, and it was one that you really needed to win. You really had to win. Two out of three against Kansas. You have Mason Molina give you a great day and then do nothing else. You can do nothing offensively, and you end up losing that. You're stuck in a tight battle. Gavin Cash hits that walk-off. You blow Kansas out that Saturday and set yourself up for the tournament. Number seven, the comeback win versus Oklahoma in the Big 12 tournament for baseball. That was the one that definitely clinched you a spot in the tournament. The West Virginia win was nice. Brandon Beckles' 12-out save against West Virginia earlier in the season was huge. The West Virginia win in Arlington was big. But that comeback win against Oklahoma versus another team on the bubble, and now y'all both made it. But that that just felt like a win that, that just punched your ticket to the tournament. Didn't have to worry about anything else after that. Number six. The comeback win, or not comeback win, the win over Texas in basketball coming right after you knocked off a ranked K-State team. Third straight win against the top 15 team. Fardaz Amak actually did some good things for you in that game. And that was the moment that a tournament berth started to seem possible. You got a big win over Oklahoma after that, and then you had that brutal loss at home to TCU. Went to Allen Fieldhouse, nearly pulled it off in Allen Fieldhouse to keep yourself alive for the tournament. Didn't happen. You lose the last one. Uh, The whole Mark Adams fiasco happens. And then it was pretty much over. Number four, walk-off win. And we don't talk about this sport much, but Hannah White's goal in Austin to walk it off. A buzzer beater scored as it ticks down to zero seconds off a free kick header 
Um, and then you go on to host a Sweet 16, lose one nothing to North Carolina. Number three, and I don't know if I have this one too high, but to go into Gainesville with Kyle Robinson and get a win over Florida and the way it happened where you had bases loaded, two outs, full count, Bazell up to bat, clearly a ball, you get rung up for strike three, should have been the go-ahead run right there. Instead, they call it a ball, you get rung up, or call it a strike, get run up, rung up for strike three. Kevin Bazell nearly gets himself tossed. J-Rod comes over, says the magic word, keeps Bazell in the game, which was huge because you really don't have another third baseman. And then Gavin Cash with the two-run bomb. Beckel comes in on one day's rest to get the last two outs. Number two, because this was one that absolutely saved your season. You finally beat TCU. You have the possum on the field. It, it was really an amazing game to watch, and it kept you alive for a bowl berth. Beating TCU has got to be number two on Thursday night. That was probably the most hungover. A lot of people have been to work on a Friday. And number one, that final drive against Kansas. The three receptions, Gino Garcia, as much as he struggled early in the season, came really hot for you ever since, really after that Wyoming game in, in the second half against Oregon. He made that field goal. He was almost perfect for, for you from there on out, except for maybe the West Virginia game. But he gets the winning field goal right after that. And Jerram Bradley, who look, he had a really down year, best of luck at Austin College, but at least he had that one moment and got you that extra win. But that's going to do it for this one. We will be back on Thursday morning. We'll do a full preview. We'll take a look at all 14 Big 12 teams. Who's good? Kansas, Houston. And who's not so good? Oklahoma State, anyone. And especially West Virginia. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, if you got some time, go ahead and give us a rating and review. Send that in to jacksonmoody37 at gmail.com and we'll send you a free koozie. Uh, But that's going to do it. We'll be back on Thursday.